0: online, on smart speakers and on Listen Again. This is Food FM.
1: The Drinking Hour with David Kermode in partnership with Club Onologique. The world through the lens of wine and spirit.
2: This week, discovering Lyrac, a special edition focused on this Southern Rhone appellation whose approachable, affordable wines are winning new fans. We'll hear from Master of Wine, Alastair Cooper, and two of the region's leading winemakers to find out why Lyrac should be on every wine lover's list. On the right bank of the southern Rhône, the appellation of Lirac might still be a well-kept secret for many, despite its long and illustrious history of winemaking. But its reputation is growing, producing red, white and rosé wines from a range of varieties dominated by Grenache. The wines are elegant and nuanced, uh, not to mention competitively priced. In a moment, we'll hear more about its wines from two seasoned producers in the region. Uh, but first, by way of uh, an introduction, Alistair Cooper, Master of Wine, a member of the IWSC's Senior Judging Committee, an all-round Rhone expert and a bit of a regular here on The Drinking Hour as well. Um, Ali, uh, welcome back to The Drinking Hour. Thanks, David. Great to be with you again. has been a while. Well, thank you. It's been a while, and uh, I've been hounding you, so I shall get straight on with it because uh, uh, I want to talk about uh, Lirac. Uh, you're a, amongst many other things a Roan expert. Um, tell us a bit about
0: Lirac. Lirac. It's it's a it's a fairly enigmatic crew in many ways i would say it's it's one of the oldest yet i i think it's probably fair to say it's one that um maybe is a little bit confused as to its own identity i suppose in in many ways it doesn't have the image or it's not as well known as say gigondas or rasto or keran which which is odd because it's one of the oldest appellations there is so i think it's it's um it, it's it's a slightly confused appellation, which is a shame because I think there's so many lovely wines here. It really can offer great um, value for money. I think as well. I don't know if you know this, but it does have the dubious honour of being the birthplace of phylloxera in uh, in, um, in in France. So it was it was here that I can't remember the gentleman's name that he received the cuttings of vines. In Lirac, that then went on to devastate the European wine industry. So it's sort of it's fairly infamous in many ways as well. Yes, I I wondered <laughs> if we'd get to the infamy, uh, but let's go for the
2: fame instead, or yeah. <laughs> or the fame it warrants at least. Because uh, why do we love a place like Lirac? Well,
0: I think you know there's there's a, there's a lot to be said for. Villages or appellations that lie next to very famous areas. If we look at, let's say, the equivalent in the Loire Valley, Mouton-Salon or Cancy next to Sancerre, you know, sometimes you can get great value for money in these neighbouring things. And obviously, just I think it's only about five miles away as the crow flies from 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 the eastern part of of, of Lirac. We have Châteauneuf-du-Pape. You know, the oldest. AOC in France, and you know certainly one of the most famous and I think what what Lyrac has to offer, and you know we can talk a little bit about this is i don 't want to always compare it to chateauneuf du pape because it 's inherently different. There are certain things that, that are very similar, the soil type you know it 's come from the same The same um, has the same soil type and history as Chateauneuf-du-Pape, but, you know, it offers great value for money. So there's something quite romantic about having somewhere that's producing fabulous wines at a fraction of the price that offer, you know, maybe a a snapshot or a glimpse of its more famous neighbours. I know uh, they've had some cracking vintages in the Rhone in
2: recent years. I was talking to you for uh, an interview I was doing with you for for a, a, a written piece for uh, I think it was for Harper's. They they've just had a, a
0: run of, of of really good vintages, haven't they? There they have yeah i mean with 2021 aside which was a which was um you know notoriously <laughs> difficult vintage all over france um yet still in in the rhone there are some great wines to be found in 2021 um, but yes you know while global warming and and this is what we talked about I remember global warming and climate changes is, is um seen as being doom and gloom in many ways in certain parts of the world and their own you know is is no exception it's actually it's i would say thus far and and i I might upset some people by saying this it's it's been largely positive in many ways there's been this run of fantastic vintages um whereas 20 30 40 years ago it was not it was not that way. You would get more um, fluctuation in vintage. So there's been a fantastic run for the last decade, really, um, in the Rhone, and um, and that's been that's been great to see. So consistency in these areas is key, and, and Lirac is no exception. You know, it's making consistently great wines year in year out. And of course, uh, the overwhelming majority of those wines are red. But it's important that the white wines and the rose wines of the Rhone. Are not forgotten, isn't it? It is absolutely, and and that's a really good point to bring up there. So, along with with Vakiras, um, Lirac is the only other crew that um, can produce both wet, well, all three, you know, red, white, and rosé. And as you say, it is predominantly red. Um, I think it's around eighty-five to ninety percent of the production is red, and then probably five or six, I think, is is white, and, and the balance, you know. Talking about two, three percent is rose, and of course, with Lirac, especially it it sort of neighbours Tavel, which of course is is extremely famous for its um, for its rose wines. Yet it doesn't have the same stipulations as Tavel does. So Tavel has to have it has to be a particular colour. You know, if it's too dark it, or too light, it won't get through the, the appellation system, whereas they don't have those regulations in Lirac, which means actually, in some ways, people there now are producing the lighter, more fashionable Provence colour Roses, which sometimes may actually not have quite as much character as the beautiful wines of, of tavel but but coming back to your point, yeah it is important not to forget the the whites and the, and the roses because I really think actually that these darker stars of rose from, from Tavel, and I know we 're focusing on Lirac here, but the neighboring Tavel roses really really. Um, are gonna have their day again soon. You know, people have been talking about it for ages, but I really do think that these are wines that can that, that that are going to become increasingly important and increasingly higher profile. But the white wines of the Rhone, yeah, absolutely. You know, great great varieties there. You've got the sort of richer stars of Roussanne, but you've got Claret, which is a beautiful grape variety, which you, you find quite a lot of in in Lirac as well, and Bourbelancere there's some beautiful they're so lucky in the southern Rhone that they, they have such a huge uh, you know range of, of grape varieties to choose from and and again in the context of climate change that gives them a huge advantage to be able to react um, and 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 use other grape varieties that are, that are more apt to, to to climate change and much like a cook you know they can adjust the seasoning a bit with the grape
2: varieties to an extent can't they uh, in terms of adjusting perhaps uh, to take account of factors like vintages obviously but also Bigger factors like climate change too. Blending is very helpful, isn't it?
0: Blending is very, very helpful, and of course that is something that, as you say, that they have the huge advantage of in 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 the southern Rhone. And Lyrac's no example. Grenache is of course key here; is it's it's king, um, as you tend to find in, in in the most most of the southern Rhone. But Sansso, you know, as you know, I'm I'm a big Sanso fan, and I think Sansso increasingly. Mm. Is is going to play a, a, a bigger role in um, in in the Southern Rhone and in Lirac and certainly in Chateauneuf du Pape and as well with more Vedra. I think we, we are beginning to see Syrah's importance wane a little bit as it it can it can just get a little bit too big now with the with the warming um, down there. So I think Grenache and Sanso and and Cunois as well, another great variety that's beautifully suited to to, to climate change and to bring that freshness into the blend. Absolutely. So if Lirac is a new name for a wine lover uh, which it may be mm. still
2: uh, compared as you say with some of uh, those other appellations then there's plenty to get stuck into basically
0: there is yeah and i think what what's an interesting thing about lyrac is it it's it is a heterogeneous sort of soil type there which again maybe is one of the reasons why it why it, why it struggles from perhaps a, a lack of identity because it it is very varied, which is a positive, but again, also a negative. So you've got the soils that are very similar to Chateauneuf-du-Pape. You also have some beautifully sandy soils as well. And people do wonder, and this is the age-old question, of when you have a village with the same soil type, you know, only five or six miles away, or as we see in Burgundy, sometimes only 100, 200 metres away, why do they have such different styles? Here in Lirac, a lot is to do with the fact that we're on the the western side of the Rhône here. So we're we're on the left bank and it's a very complex, complex myriad of factors there. We've got the Cévennes Mountains just north of Lirac, which affect the microclimate. And the way the Mistral blows through the Lirac appellation is quite different to the way it does Chateauneuf-du-Pape. So all of these local microclimates, fascinating, these sort of small changes that can make such a difference to the style of wine. So Lirac really produces, if we're going to sum up the, the difference in styles of wine between sort of Chateauneuf-du-Pape and, and Lirac. Lirac tends to be a more elegant, earlier drinking wine with, with finer tannins, more acidity, more purity, whereas Chateauneuf is bigger, it is bolder, it's, you know, famously rich and burly. Um, and the, the expression in Lirac is just that little bit more refined and elegant. Ali Cooper, MW, with an introduction to
2: the Lirac region. So, to the region's winemakers, Pierre Fabre is winemaker at Chateau Montredon and Gérald uh, Lafonte is winemaker at uh, Domaine d'Abusse, And they both uh, join me now uh, for a little more on Lirac from those who work the land. Pierre, uh, just um, give us a, a little bit of historical context, if you would, for Lirac, because, of course... Uh, The Rhone is really one of the oldest wine producing regions in the world. And Lirac has an illustrious history, doesn't it?
3: Lirac does have a long history. The AOC uh, was created in 1947. So it is not the first AOC to be created as the the very first ones were um, made, were were signed in 1936, but it was uh, closed uh, after. Uh, And um, production of Lirac at that time uh, was uh, really Rosé-focused. Uh, they were inspired by the neighbor uh, apparition, uh, which is Tavel. Uh, and so, unfortunately, Lirac kind of uh, stayed a little bit in the shade of Tavel uh, because Tavel was the first Rosé apparition. Uh, but in the late, uh, I would say in the early 90s uh, or in the 90s, A few winemakers or properties from from the other bank of the Rhone River started to settle in Iraq and, and, and started to promote, help the promotion of the appellation alongside some uh, few historical estates, uh, or gin wine estates. So, uh, and when uh, Lirac uh, started to fo- more focus on red wine, this is where we, uh, we saw the, the, the uh, real um, increase in the promotion of the Appellation. Uh, and actually, the Appellation is a hidden gem uh, because the, the Appellation has various terroirs, but absolutely great terroirs uh, to produce very uh, fine uh, wines. And we'll definitely talk about that uh,
2: terroir shortly. Um, just give us a sense of the production volumes, if you like, because it's overwhelmingly red, almost 90% red wine uh, these days, Pierre, isn't it?
3: Absolutely. Uh, and uh, maybe maybe white is uh, 7 or 8% and rosé re- remains for 2 or 3%. So it's mostly red now. Uh, and i would say total production would be 20 to 25000 hectolitres a year depending on the vintages and
2: gerald um for those listening who um, have uh, some french geography but not uh that much uh, just explain for us where you're positioned in lirac so lirac
4: is um is on the right side of the the rhone uh, valley uh, so it's um very uh, in the south of the Rhone Valley. In fact, there is a very, um, very uh, huge, uh, it's a very huge appellation if we consider the north of the region and the south. But uh, we are really in the south and we are the, the, the cru, which is uh, maybe uh, the more uh, south of the appellation, except Tavel, which is a bit uh, more in the in the south. So the um, the uh, is very close to Avignon and Châteauneuf-du-Pape on the other bank, and um, the situation makes uh, the crew cru uh, a very uh, unique position, because in the right side of the, the Rhone Valley we are not uh, there is not a lot of uh, cru. Uh, in fact, a lot of the cru are on the on the, the left bank of the the Rhone Valley.
2: And uh, Gérald, um, you're very near Avignon, aren't you? Yes. And that. Yes, we are very close to Avignon. Mm-hmm. That has a, a historical connection to wine production going back to the alternative papacy, uh, right back to then, doesn't it? Uh,
4: we, we have a, a history also with the, the pap uh, from Avignon, uh, but uh, actually the, um, this is not our appellation that is most known for this, but uh, we also have connection with that for sure.
2: And uh, Pierre, uh, tell us a little bit about the terroir, the, the constituent parts that make up the soils and the weather conditions that contribute to the wine uh, in lirac
3: there are several uh, kind of soils uh, in Iraq, which makes a very high diversity uh, um, of uh, wines profiles. I would say one of the main terroirs is covered with pebbles, so it it looks like what people imagine or think uh, first when they think of chateau du pape So it's it's very um, very uh, rocky, and then you. Uh, Lirac for the parcels uh, which are neighboring the Rhone River are on terraces. So the the lower terraces you go, the more sandy it is, or the sandiest it is, and the less pebbly it is. So I would say the last terrace and the plateaus are covered with pebbles. Uh, and then there is another part a little further west uh, with a very uh, a high um, lime or chalk Uh, content with white angular pebbles, uh, not pebbles, but rocks, which is not a big part of the appellation, but I mean, this kind of soils also exist. And of course, in between those three kinds of soils, uh, there is all the mix of those you you can imagine. So a little bit of pebbles or sand uh, or pebbles and chalk. So it makes a very, very, very uh, versatile uh, appellation. And Gérald,
2: those pebbles, those rocks, as Pierre said, they are very famous uh, in the context of Chateauneuf-du-Pape, of course. But um, you have a similar effect on the wines in Lirac, I assume.
4: Yes, this is a physical effect uh, at first. We, call, we, we talk a lot about the, the effect of the, the sun on the rocks that make them very hot at the days. And at night, it can help to, uh, to maintain a, a good temperature on the soil. But also, this is for the drainage um, effect, which is very interesting. That when it is rainy or when there are uh, rainy conditions, the water can uh, don't stay on the on the on the on the on the soil, and it makes the vineyard very uh, healthy. And uh, and for us, it's a very good thing that we can also work on the on the soil after the rain. Very quickly, so uh, this kind of terra is uh, like uh, it's for for this condition is a heaven, but for to work on is very difficult in fact because of also the 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 condition uh, you can imagine it's like uh, um, a sea with a lot of uh, this is covered by by the rocks and so w- when you use the material on it and uh, it uh, it affect a lot the material, yes. But it's very good for the so it's very very interesting for it's a chance that we have this kind of terroir, especially uh, this uh, this rocks, this pebble, but also the sand that we have uh, under the pebble, which which is uh, very interesting.
2: And Pierre, let's talk about the typicity of the the wines, um, the reds um, most significantly here, and the influence of those. Conditions on the wines. Um, The the wines of Lirac um, have a a reputation for being uh, structured, uh, quite powerful with uh, yeah, complexity and depth, don't they?
3: First of all, uh, I would like not to minimize uh, the quality of the white wines. Because Lirac, even if it's, if it's not 10% of the total production, uh, does some great white wines, mostly based on claret. Uh, and so he gives a very, very elegant uh, style of white. And I'm sure that whites for Lirac have a great future. But speaking of reds, I would... I- i am like to say Lirac is little brother of Chateauneuf-du-Pape. So as you said, it has a very decent uh, structure, uh, speaking of reds, but doesn't have the same aging uh, capacity uh, as Chateauneuf. But it's it's not the the matter because uh, it makes, uh, I would say, an approachable, an earlier approachable profile of little Chateauneuf. It's, it's mostly the same soil with the pebbles, well, only there is less clay uh, in Iraq than in Châteauneuf. That's that's the main difference. But otherwise, the the pebbles effect, as Gerald said, uh, is t- totally true. And then we we somehow use uh, the same mix of grapes. So mostly Grenache based, then Syrah and Mourvedre mostly. So we have the same grapes in the, under the same climate on almost, almost the same soil. So I would say it's 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 very uh, approachable rich charming uh, uh, dark or red fruit character and actually it's it also can edge a little bit I would say six to ten years uh, for most of the wines and maybe a little f- uh, longer for, for the best cuvées. And uh, Pierre it, it's very helpful to you I assume given
2: your proximity to Chateauneuf-du-Pape that that particular wine name is one of the most famous red wine names in the world Uh, that must be a a great boost you in Lirac
3: it it is for sure because um, Chateauneuf-du-Pape wines open a lot of commercial sales networks Uh, and then once once you have those markets it's very easy to have uh, people taste Lirac and when they they get the first sip then they just love it so it's the only thing is, uh, the only hard thing is to have people discover Lirac for the first time. But when they taste it, they realize it's absolutely a great value from the Southern Rhone. And, Gérald, that actually is one of the uh,
2: major factors for uh, Lirac, uh, isn't it? Because Chateauneuf-du-Pape is uh, really, uh, these days, uh, quite an expensive wine. Uh, there's a lot more... Uh, value to be had for a very similar style of wine from Lirac? For me, uh, I think that
4: it's it's always difficult to compare two Appellation. They are very close, of course, but the story of them are different. The variety used are a bit different also. The practice are a bit different. So it gives some difference on the wine. The truth uh, is that we have a common um, style at some time for the for the cuvee, for the, but also uh, we have um, uh, a specificity on the, on this appellation, uh, which is known for its freshness and uh, for uh, its uh, finesse, uh, like Châteauneuf can be also, but not on all the terroir. So it makes a specificity, and as um, uh, Pierre said before. Uh, that's why also that we had a lot of uh, we have a lot of uh, very good whites and we have a very good potential on it. For for the red again, I think that uh, the proximity of Châteauneuf can help for the as Pierre said also the the, the channel of distribution uh, for to show the wine to the world because Châteauneuf is a great appellation is um, the well-known appellation maybe uh, for the red. And uh, it's uh, it's a very
2: good chance that we have this uh, very close to us. Mm. I think Lirac, for some feels a bit like a um, unlocking um, a secret or something. You know, you, you uh, if you can't afford to buy as much Châteauneuf du Pape as you want, then then actually there's this this wonderful opportunity to to to, to switch your focus next door uh and, and sample the wines from lirac i know this because i i've done it myself um uh, pierre do you find that once people have uh, done that there is a uh, discovered lirac there is a real loyalty there
3: yes because uh speaking of our own experience um when we uh we bought our first uh parcel of lirac in 1997 so it's all, all, almost uh let's say 30 years that we are um, distributing Lirac. And it has always happened the same in all our export markets, which is at the first time um, we inform our customer that uh, we now have a a Lirac wine. Then they hesitate to taste, then they taste, then they like it, then they love it, and then now they just can't live without it. So in, in every single market on export, it has always uh, been the same history so uh, and, and now uh, I mean a lot of uh, our brand and a lot of, of Iraq is very well uh, settled in a lot of external markets and and people are expecting it uh, year after vintages after vintages so yes it's hard to I would say to sum up uh, to do the first step but then there's a, there's a huge loyalty to this appellation.
2: Tell us a little bit about your Estate,
3: Pierre. We, um, well, we actually we, we do two brands. Uh, we do the historical one, which is uh, Château uh and uh, which is about 35 hectares of vineyard. Uh, and basically, we keep the best uh, plots uh, to blend uh, to create our blend of Lirac. uh and we declassify the rest of the grapes into our estate cuvée. So our cuvée of Lirac is the best uh, grapes we have from this appellation. Uh, and we, we age it uh, like a third in uh, burgundian barrels and two thirds in tank for a year. And then we blend a bottle, let it rest a little bit and and start to, ships, uh, to ship about six months uh, after bottling. So that's, that's for uh, Lirac Chateau-Morodon. And then uh, we took over Domaine du Gencier, uh, which is uh, 100% on the Pebbles Plateau. Uh, which is a smaller um, uh, estate, about 15 hectares now, uh, which, which is run uh, biodynamically. So, we wanted to create another uh, style of Iraq uh, and from another terroir. So, we, we, we are separating the two, the two styles of Iraq. Mm, and I want to talk about uh, biodynamic.
2: Uh, methods uh, shortly as well. But, um, Gerald, um, I should also ask you uh, the same question. Just tell us a bit about uh, your own estate.
4: So, my domain is a small domain for the appellation. It's like six uh, hectares. So, it's a very small one. My father uh, had some uh, thoughts on the, the appellation for a long time for the grandfather, from his grandfather. And I kept. Uh, this uh, this vineyard, and I bought some more to uh, to increase my capacity for of production. And so I'm making um, different cuvées, and I'm uh, selling all the wine in the bottle. This is a biological uh, way to to manage my vineyard, and uh, um, I uh, I use only the the concrete tank and uh, some. Uh, the for the aging and uh, making only reds for now and waiting for the for the for the whites in the future uh, I will plant some plots with whites
2: so that's the situation for me now thank you and grape varieties we touched briefly on this Pierre um, you have actually um, potentially quite a few grape varieties that are Authorized uh, within uh, the appellation.
3: Oh yes, I mean uh, I would say um, Grenache is the main one, but you can you can use uh, Syrah, Mourvèdre, and so. Uh, I think Carignan too, and they might open the the book the the, 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 the laws a little bit more in the in the future, and then we have uh, at least five white grapes. We got Clairette, Roussanne, Grenache Blanc. Bourboulenc and probably Picpoul also. So yes, there is a there's a lot of a lot of uh, different grapes or varietals in Lirac and which uh, also means that um the Lirac wines have uh, very different styles depending on of course the the the, the soils that grow the vineyards grow on but also the, the blends you can do. You know, um classical blend would be uh, 60 70% Grenache, slightly less than 70% Grenache, uh, 20% Syrah and 10% Mourvedre. We uh, we uh, gave up uh, producing rosé, and we uh, we don't have any Senso anymore. And for the white, uh, it's predominantly Claret, which is for me one of the white grapes of the future in in the Rhone Valley, uh, because this probably the, the that grape which provides the best finesse complexity and delicatesse, especially with the the global uh, warming uh, getting close or coming on. And
2: Pierre, um, with the reds, you're always blending. There's always, I think, at least, is it 40% Grenache in in the blend? 70%. 70, sorry. And Mm. uh, so that's the main constituent part of the blend. And then you're uh you, you're free to to kind of um, to mix the other varieties as you see fit
3: there 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 are some rules it's like i don't think you can do less than 40% uh, grenache in the blend but the the rules are quite uh flexible quite open uh so we we decided to 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 put so much grenache because we like the the texture uh, of, uh, Grenache, which is a, uh, I would say, uh, with some humor, uh, this is the Pinot Noir from the South. Very very delicate, uh, I mean, large shoulder, but very fine tannins, moderate, uh, color and, and, but high alcohol or higher alcohol. Uh, that's why we like to, to blend, uh, some Syrah, which are much lower alcohol. And that, uh, provides a lot of balance uh, to the blend. And, uh, more well also, uh, we try to pick a little, uh, with actually with the lower sugars, uh, so that also helped to balance the power of Grenache, bring some tannins and also some spice and some pepper. So I think we, in that, with our terroir, with that blend, I think we got something very, very delicate, but very complex and absolutely highly approachable.
2: And Girald, tell us about uh, how you approach uh, your uh, blending of those varieties. My vineyard is uh,
4: mainly Grenache also. Uh, we have a lot of Grenache. Uh... In the maximum that we can, in fact, uh, because you know there are some rules in the in the appellation that we have to uh, to respect. Um, so this is mainly Grenache, but uh, I have also some Syrah, uh, Mourvedre. But you can have more than this uh, in your in your. Um, Plots. I mean, you you can have also some uh, Pou noir and uh, some uh, uh, Carignan, and this is allowed to have this uh, variety. But I don't have in mind first for now. Um, and um, uh, my approach for the for this is to uh, to to blend the, the variety when I. When I'm uh, making the vinification, I try to uh, harvest them all uh, uh, together and make uh, for, for, the, for the main cuvee, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do that. And also I'm making some other cuvees, which are uh, mainly uh, Mourvedre. Uh, one is uh, mainly Mourvedre and the other one is mainly uh, Senso. I like the Senso too uh, in, uh, in this appellation. It's... Uh, one of the the appellation that make the, the, the great sensor that you can find For Mourvedre. I uh, I am uh, I'm, I'm sure also that you can make very very beautiful Mourvedre uh, in this tiroir, especially with the on the on the top of this plateau with the, the pebbles, which make uh, the the, the very healthy and happy on this place. So you can have very good good result with that. But uh, as Pierre said, the, the Grenache is the um, is our king variety here also, and uh, this is the the elegance. This is the this is uh, very very interesting, very good, and uh, that's why uh, I also have a lot of Grenache uh, in my uh, plantation. But for the future, we have uh, we are working on the um, our cahier de charge. Uh, I mean, the the appellation of some rules and uh, for the, for the, the quantity uh, of the different variety that we are using. Uh, and we have to respect that. But we will start to open it uh, and to have more um, capacity to do the things in, the, in our appellation in the future. We are trying to work on it with the Inao uh, in France and to, to, to change it. To, to be more uh, free to, uh, to use different variety and to use them uh, with the proportion that we like, mm. as uh,
2: other appellation can do in the in the room. You are blessed to work with some very uh, beautiful grape varieties. Um, Pierre, um, Grenache, um, although you're making blends, obviously uh, Grenache is playing that kind of king role, as uh, Gérald said, um, are you seeing amongst consumers uh, an increased appreciation of uh,
3: Grenache Noir? I'm not sure that the, 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 the grape the, or the, the grape variety itself is, is truly promoted, that uh, people, consumers love uh, Southern Rhone wines uh, without being aware of, that they are Grenache based. I think there is a lack of communication on Grenache, I mean, like you could find in in the world on Cabernet Sauvignon, Chardonnay, or Pinot Noir. Uh, Grenache, I mean, is starting to get to get popular, thanks to Spanish wines, maybe a little bit thanks to Chateauneuf. But so I think the the, the in the um, consumer taste, Grenache is one of the best fitted grapes uh but uh lacking of recognition so far uh so and since the the in the beginning of this uh interview uh we speak of LIRAC more than of grenache but in fact uh uh, grenache is 70 percent or 75 percent of iraq so it's just a question of point of view of angle uh, from where you you see you see the wine, so I would say Grenache has an absolutely great uh, future because it fits to a consumers' palate, which wants more and more delicate wine and less and less uh, rustic or t- high tannin uh, wines. The thing is Grenache, uh, the finesse comes with full maturity, and full maturity comes with uh, quite high alcohol. So that's why Southern Rhone uh, is very lucky to have a blending tradition because the blending helps in the balance that sometimes Grenache Noir would not have uh, by itself, uh, would not have alone. Uh,
2: Gérald, um, do you find yourself in your winemaking being very conscious of alcohol levels? Yes, this is a reality now
4: and especially with some variety like Grenache, that can make uh, some time if you want to wait for the good maturation it can make uh, some high alcohol content, uh, so we, we 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 try to uh, to manage it as uh, as we can as much as we can to uh, to harvest at the right time. Uh, it is not a, the the deal is not to uh, to have something with uh, low alcohol, just to, uh, to to can say that there is not too much alcohol on the wine. Uh, the fact is that we need to have uh, a very good wine and um, you know uh, the things are what they are we have to wait that the maturity is there so um, sometime to have uh, the great maturation on the polyphenolic uh, uh, the tannin and the, the anthocyan uh, we we have to wait uh, that uh, sometime the sugar is a bit high after that so um that's 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 it this is also a specificity of uh, our region we are in the south we are uh, under the sun and uh, we cannot make uh, a 12 uh, percent of alcohol wine here it's not possible
2: and yeah you mentioned um you're blessed because you can blend um alcohol um very much a consideration for you in your
3: winemaking as well I, i i sorry i missed i missed the question there was a uh, in the sound. Could you repeat the okay, question, please? I'll ask
2: again, don't worry. You mentioned, Pierre, that uh, you're blessed because you can blend. Um, so alcohol is very much in your uh, mind when you're winemaking as well.
3: I would say balance is in my mind more than alcohol, because you, you could have a 15.5% very well-balanced wine, so I mean, we are not focused on, on on we are more focused on the balance than on the alcohol content. But at some point, the consumers sometimes look at the, the figures and look at the back labels, and uh, it could be uh, a, a little um, a break uh, for the consumers to choose this kind of wine. Uh, so, uh, but if you uh, hide the, the the alcohol percentage and have people taste the wine, and they will love uh 15.5 percent wine uh and if you tell them the the alcohol content before then in their mind uh they will not accept it uh uh, not only for its own uh quality so um alcohol is tricky uh with the global warming uh that's why i said we are blessed with the blending because this is the best way to fix uh things and balance yeah you're absolutely
2: right about balance as well the number of times i've been hugely enjoying a wine i haven't even thought about alcohol and then i've looked at the uh at the label and it's you know fifteen and a half percent and i'm like bloody hell but actually i didn't taste it um you know it was it was balanced it was correct and it was very enjoyable so yeah you're absolutely right um gerald um, let's talk about uh what we call organic but you call uh biologique uh bio you use those methods uh in your uh production don't you yes I do, and why? I'm
4: uh, I'm certified uh, organic, uh, but French. It's uh, bio, uh, European. Sorry, it's uh, it's bio. Um, uh, the um, so the, this is a, this is a. I think that this is now the, the, the common things that are, are happening here around a lot of uh, vineyards are turning to the, to the organic way why i did it? it is that because in the past my father was doing that uh, and uh, I, uh, I think that uh, the results are good and uh, the way uh, of uh, these uh, methods are, are good for, the, for, for us i mean it's good it's better you
2: can taste
4: the difference in the wine, can you Gerard? It's difficult to say they are great wine with conventional uh, way uh, also because uh, they are making a good job sometime but it's true that uh, uh, the thing is that uh, when you are uh, uh, when you are running your your vineyard in organic way uh, you uh, you have to be more involved in your uh, in your job. I mean, you, are, you have to be very present, you have to be here. So it is not just a question of uh, if it is organic or if it is not. It's a question of what you give uh, to your job, uh, what's, uh, what's is, if, if you are serious or not. So can I, can I uh, feel the difference between uh, a great cuvee in a uh, in conventional way or organic
2: way, make the difference? It's really difficult, really. The weather conditions that you enjoy in uh, the southern Rhone, uh, Girald, they are. I'm not saying that being organic is easy because it's clearly not, but um, they are the kind of conditions that are at least helpful to you using organic methods, aren't they? For sure, for sure.
4: We are really lucky. In fact, uh, f- we are one of the easiest regions to 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 play with the organic. Uh, uh, way because we we are helped with the soil first. Uh, we we talk about it before uh, the the good drainage of the soil are helping a, a lot uh, for that. We have not we are not a, a region with a lot of rain uh, and uh, also we have uh, this uh, very special Mistral, which is a wind with that uh, that is. Uh, Always there, and uh, and today is uh, is coming again. So um, this is uh, did that make dry condition that uh, help for the the disease. So to manage a vineyard uh, in organic uh, organic vineyard here is as as always is difficult because it's uh, you you never know if you have uh, rain or not but if you have rain it can be difficult sometimes but we have not that kind of difficult uh, condition that you can have in some region around in the in France for example yes i think that's uh, it's uh, it's easier condition here to do uh, organic uh, management
2: and pierre just tell us about the Mistral for anyone who hasn't experienced it.
3: Mistral is a very strong wind. It comes from the north. Uh, it's a cold wind. It blows very fast. It could go up to 100 kilometers an hour. Usually, it, it, it uh, blows three, six or nine days in a row. Uh, and it is both the best friend and the best enemy of, uh, of the vineyard it's the it's the best friend uh because we love it uh during uh harvest uh because it um during the growing season because it dries up the berries and prevents from botrytis uh, and um, both syrah and grenache and especially grenache are very uh, sensitive to uh, to botrytis especially in the end when when the sugars are high and also uh the mistral wind could be the best enemy of the vineyard uh, and 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 uh especially uh when we uh farm uh, under organic methods uh because it prevents you from spraying on the uh on the right time uh, because uh, you uh, need to be a um, windless day uh to do a very um, efficient uh, spraying uh, and this basically was the difficulty of the 2018 uh, vintage uh, there was a lot of uh, downy mildew pressure and uh, it, I mean, we, people knew, knew it and saw it, but it was um, very hard to find a proper window of time uh, to spray properly. You
2: mentioned biodynamic practices, yep. which you have adopted on uh, one of your properties. Just explain why you decided to go further than organic to biodynamic methods.
3: They already were run under biodynamic, so we decided to to keep the the concept and to keep the the farming methods. Uh, it was it was already set up, and also Mourdon is not organic but very close to it. We are not certified, but we have a lot a lot of organic practices. So we considered uh Saint Martin and Le Domaine du Jancier uh, kind of experimental labs to to technical. Uh, to see technically what it, what it really demands. So we decided to, to keep uh, this um, uh, biodynamic farming. But for example, at Mont-Rodon, um we, we didn't wait for having some uh, biodynamic experience to plant a vineyard on the root days, for example. So we were already doing some, without being certified, some um, biodynamic practices uh, at Montroudon. And having
2: inherited those properties uh, where those uh, biodynamic practices were used are you as a winemaker now convinced um, that it's a good thing that it's something perhaps you might like to develop further
3: i think there is a lot of good things to take from organic farming and from biodynamic farming so it's i would i mean i wouldn't say there is a there is a 100% uh, perfect uh, meth- method of farming uh, but a lot of good practices come from, from organic farming. And I think for me, the, the, the best organic practicing is uh, mechanical uh, deweeding. So um, stopping uh, herbicides, which is for me the worst uh, conventional practice. Because, because uh, if you want to have your, your ground uh, clean or with very few weeds, uh, then you need to plow underneath the row and in between the rows. Uh, and if you plow, uh, you force the roots to go uh, deeper uh, in the ground and explore better the terroir. So I think uh, the main difference, quality-wise, is, is about uh, having the roots doing a better job in the soil. Uh, the fact of, if you use few chemicals on the very good spraying at a very good time then you find no residue in the wine so uh and this is this is problem we we've we, we have tasted it uh so but for me the the yeah the, the best thing is by far the 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 plowing and the ground management mm, interesting and in lirac
2: uh, there is an increasing focus on sustainability pierre isn't there
3: uh in, for concerning our vineyards everywhere uh we we are we are not using uh any herbicide since vintage uh, 18 uh so 100% of our ground are organic farmed uh with, with with the plowing with with uh, like organic manure and so on uh so uh, we didn't yeah we we didn't wait that for for very very cautious with and and and, and uh, protective w- w- with the soil and Gerald, um we talked a little about
2: uh climate change uh and its effects. Sustainability, I'm assuming, especially as you practice uh, and are certified bio, I imagine sustainability very important for you there as well.
4: Yes, yes, of course. Uh, we, we, we have to, uh, to maintain uh, uh, a very good uh, management of the, the vineyard and uh, not using uh too much uh product. so uh, as uh, Pierre said uh, we are not using of course in organic way the 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 chemical for to kill the grass or to manage the soil and that's a good thing uh and uh, in general um, it is coming a uh, lot of vineyards are, are turning to uh, especially in iraq they are turning into the organic way now mm. and just to wrap up. How do you feel the future looks for Lirac? So for me, Lirac is a very great appellation. And for me, uh, there is a a very beautiful future for it. I'm sure that we will um, produce uh, very, very successful whites in the future. Uh, I'm sure that the the, the quantity of whites produced in this appellation will grow very fast in the the, the, the future in the, the next uh, the next year that are coming uh, for the reds I expect also a very good success on the on this wine because for me they are one of the finest uh, reds that you can find into the the south uh, and uh the price of them, actually, uh, if you compare to the same quality uh, wines are very uh, interesting, very approachable. So for the people who want to discover very good wines, um, and uh, this, this, is the, this is the right appellation.
2: And Pierre, the same question for you. Looking to the future, and I know that you'll mention whites here again because you rightly were very keen to make sure that we didn't ignore whites. They're, according to the official figures, eleven percent of production. Uh, so they are uh, growing in significance. Uh, so uh, the future is is red, white, and rose. I assume.
3: Well, I agree with Gerald. White have a great future. Uh, it's it's a worldwide trend, but it's also a, a reality in Iraq because uh, because uh, it's 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 a great terroir, uh, well adapted for for white grapes. So yes, I, I, I think the, the future of Lirac will be whiter for sure. It's going to for me to take a little bit of time for the world to wake up and realize that Lirac has great terroirs. I would say it's it's a it's a slow but secured uptrend uh, in terms of reputation because the quality is there. It's just a question of of marketing and and promotion of the appellation. So I uh, we you know we we used to, to to grow 35 hectares of Iraq and we decided to to buy a, a, another 15 20 hectares with Domaine dugencier. So if uh, we were not believing into uh, Lirac quality potential, we would not have invested there again. Uh, so for me, is definitely a, a sleeping vineyard, definitely an underrated value. Uh, and when, when the world is going to wake up, uh, Lirac, is, Lirac is for sure going to boom. Uh, and, and also Lirac now with the, the, the players in the appellation has become a much more dynamic appellation. I wouldn't name them, but other crew from the Southern Ronde Valley. Well, you've put your
2: money where your mouth is, as we say uh, in English. So that is the greatest uh, sign of confidence. Uh, You're right. Pierre, uh, Gérald, thank you so much for taking some time out at this uh, busy time of the year and for speaking to us uh, in English as well. Um, It's uh, more than I could do in French, that's for sure. Thank you both uh, very much indeed for joining us on The Drinking Hour. Thank you.
1: Was a the Drinking Hour with David Kermod in partnership with Club Onologique: The World Through the Lens of Wine and Spirits.
2: Well, let's round off this time with a selection of medal-winning spirits from the IWSC Hall of Fame. We haven't uh, featured spirits for a while, so today the focus is on France starting with uh, a French whiskey, We don't hear nearly enough about French whiskey. Uh, so here's a gold medal winner from Brittany to inspire you. Armorique, 10-year-old Breton single malt whisky. Uh, the judges, led by Dawn Davis, master of wine, uh, said this, a well-crafted single malt with a smoky, complex character. Hazelnut aromas welcome you, leading into a, an explosion of tropical peach and melon fruit flavours touches of coconut and sweet spice with a long finish. Staying in the north of France, Boulard Pays Doge, VSOP Calvados won a very strong silver, 94 points, so just one shy of a gold. Here's what impressed the panel of judges. Ripe apples with baked apple skin tartness and sweet notes of tart tatin. Fleshy stewed apple with pastry richness and a hint of cider on an enduring finish. Sounds delicious. Also winning a very strong silver, 94 points again. Martel Blue Swift from... Uh, Cognac, uh, the panel's tasting notes here, attractively rustic with the inviting flavours of freshly baked apples, zesty orange peel, plump sultanas, zippy coriander, dried oregano and sweet flowing honey. A truly marvellous drop, they said. And next, a silver medal winning French gin that sounds enticing. Uh, bartavelle mediterranean grapefruit and rosemary gin won a silver medal with 91 points gin expert olivier ward overseeing judging here the panel's tasting note tart grapefruit and candied peel with rosemary oil richness and hints of white pepper complex and fresh with tongue tingling grapefruit sharpness sweet ginger savory herbaceous notes and a rosemary-rich finish. And talking of finishes, one more, finally, also winning a silver, a new one for me, uh, Belle de Brille Liqueur from the southwest of France, inspiring this rather lovely tasting note, crunching into a freshly fallen apple on an autumn morning. The elegance on the palate offers notes of pear, apricot, baking spices, sweet pastry and flowers, silky, and mouth-filling. And that's it for this edition of The Drinking Hour. My thanks to Pierre and Gerald, as well as Alistair Cooper and W, of course. And thanks to you for listening and hopefully learning more about Lyrac. You can follow us on Instagram and X, the new name for Twitter. Try Food FM Radio. Uh, You can follow Club Analogique. And you can follow me. I'm Mr Venusaurus. Until next time, though, it's goodbye.
1: The Drinking Hour with David Kermode in partnership with Club Onologique. The world through the lens of wine and spirits. To
0: find out more about Food FM and our content, go to foodfmradio.com.